So good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to Sunday service. My name is Nayaswami Susan. And here with us also this morning is Nayaswami Gyandev, who will be giving the talk. We want to welcome everyone from the village who's here in person and guests, of course, and also to those online. Thank you for joining us. We're very glad to be with you today. We'll continue now with our reading from Rays of the One Light, parallel passages from the Bible and Bhagavad Gita from Swami Kriyananda, written by Swami Kriyananda. This week's topic is self-reliance versus self-reliance. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Last week, we considered the need for attunement with God, with the gurus, with the wisdom of others, until we make that wisdom our own. There is a strong and, in fact, valid belief nowadays in the need for standing on one's own feet rather than depending weakly on others to carry us by their strength. Swami Kriyananda was once asked, what is the best yoga posture? That one, he replied, which sets you squarely on your own feet. Our strength must come from within. If that strength comes from the ego, however, instead of from soul consciousness, it is like a, gu a guitar string without its sounding board. The notes it emits will be thin and feeble. Our strength must come from within, but must be coupled with recognition of our inner link with broader and higher realities. The Bhagavad Gita says in the 10th chapter, everyone in this world whose life is glorious or prosperous or powerful, know that his achievement is but a little spark from the great sun of my effulgence. Jesus, in talking to his disciples, emphasized also the power of attunement with his own consciousness as a ray of the divine. For this ray had descended already through him in response to their devotion. It was a sign that God was already listening to them with receptive attention and did not require to be wooed in that way any longer. In the passage preceding the one that we read last week, Jesus said, I am the vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. This was the meaning of Paramahansa Yogananda's counsel also, when speaking more intimately to the disciples of the need for attunement with him. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. 
do want to welcome everyone. It's great to be with you this morning. I'd like to read a brief passage from Whispers from Eternity, Paramatsugananda's book of uh, prayer poems. This one is Demand Not to Be Enslaved by the Ego or by Ego-Centered Passivity. I want to use my own will, but guided ever, Father, toward the golden paradise of all fulfillment. For I would be infinity's smiling child, confident of being imprisoned no longer behind bars of fruitless desire and withered hopes. I would break the shameful cords of lethargy that have presumed to hold me and step fearlessly into freedom. Released, I now blaze my way through forests of every limitation and delusion. Oh, my little vain ego may strut proudly, saying, Behold my glory, worship me. But I will look through its transparent form and behold thine unimaginable beauty clothed in the subtle form of the whole universe. The silence-tuned hearing of my soul will ignore that tiny boasting masquerader my little self impersonating thee, and will listen rapturously to the wind-borne, fragrant music of thine own matchless voice whispering across the ages, I am he. I was uh, reminded of uh, the reading that Naswami Susan just completed of uh, something that happened some, some years ago, the, the part where Swami talked about you know, what's the best yoga posture. It's you know, that one which enables one to stand on, squarely on one's own feet. And I was, uh, I was meeting with Swami. I'd ask him if he would give asana affirmations to a few asanas that didn't have them yet, asanas being yoga postures. And at Ananda Yoga, all the asanas within Ananda Yoga have their own unique affirmation that one repeats silently while one's practicing them. And we were discussing a number of asanas that could use that. One of them uh, was simply Tadasana. What's the standing mountain pose? It's this, standing squarely on one's own two feet. And uh, <clears throat> I said, <clears throat> excuse me, I said, um, I don't think this needs one affirmation, Swami. And he didn't really respond, but he was going to think about our discussion and get back to me. And when he got back to me, he got back to me with an affirmation, one that is the most challenging affirmation of everything in Ananda Yoga. It's, it's I stand ready to obey thy least command. It's like, whoa. Uh, but I, I circulated the word out among uh, various Ananda Yoga teachers, and, and what came back to me was something less than, than scintillating enthusiasm for that, for that affirmation. I don't know how they felt about it for their own practice personally, but as far as teaching it, they weren't so crazy about it. So I conveyed that to Swamiji, that some people are feeling some resistance around this. And he wrote me back and he said, what resists? The ego, that which they're trying to get rid of. I 
was wanting to write back and say, but not everybody is wanting to get rid of their egos. But I sensed that the discussion was closed at that point. <laughs> but I wanted to share with you a little a story about playing with a prayer, a prayer that actually relates very well to the topic this week, a little self-reliance versus big self. Reliance, and that is a prayer that I suspect is the most widely used prayer in the world because you not only hear it, you see it in emails and text messages. Three word prayer Oh my God. <laughs> now, you might not think that's a prayer, but can be. It can be. You, you spill the soup on the floor, and you could, it could be like, oh my God. Or if you have the sense that God is the doer and really should do better in the future, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> or it could be a gesture of, of surprise. Somebody gives you an unexpected gift. Oh my God. Or if you're in the way of seeing God as the giver, it could be, Round of gratitude, oh my God. But there's the third one that is, might be the most common of them all, I don't know, and that's a desperate plea for help. Oh my God. And that's what I'd like to talk about <laughs> this morning because it pertains to something that is, was very, very strongly a part of my life, still is, for, has been for quite some time now. Uh, and those of you who were here last week, which concluded last Sunday, Spiritual Renewal Week, hopefully you all got a handout in the email of Ananda Spiritual Practices, including a large number of, of video classes from the Ananda Yoga series. And if you weren't here last week, or you weren't online last week with Spiritual Renewal Week, or you didn't get it and you would like it, just email me. I'll send it to you, gyandavidananda.org. So this was a wonderful experience in prayer. <laughs> and I'll, I'll develop in the Ananda Yoga series. And I'd like to take you through a sequence of kind of life-changing steps, the sort of thing we all go through in one way or another, at one time or another. Um, some of us go through it more quickly. Some of us go through it less quickly. But I'll tell you the story. When Ananda first established its work in India in 2003, Swami Kriyananda created a, a large number of brief video segments to be shown on an Indian TV channel. And the, one of the higher-ups on that channel, when it became time for him to do his own thing, wanted to start his own, uh, it's gonna be a worldwide English language spiritual television channel. Uh, he really liked Swami Jain, so one of the first people he went to for content was Swami, asked him to do 365 uh, video programs for this new channel. And Swami agreed to do it, and the man said, so what else can you give me? Because uh, he needed programming for this, for this new channel, and Swami said, well, how about Ananda Yoga? The guy said, great. So soon after, my phone rang, 
<laughs> I was invited to Govinda Swami's apartment for a discussion. And he mentioned to me what he had offered. And he asked me, uh, will you do it? I said, oh, yes, I'll do it. And then he said, looked at me very keenly, and he said, what if it's 365 classes? I said, I'll do it. <laughs> so uh, that's when the oh my god prayer really began to happen, <laughs> really strongly. As I was, uh, so I came out of his apartment and just had to start to think about things. What am I going to do? Where am I going to do it? I realized this new TV channel is going to first find its audience among Indians, because that's how they already knew how to reach. So what do Indians want? Well, by the first of many good luck situations, there was a group of Indian pilgrims staying at the Expanding Light Retreat. I was going to interview them. What would Indians like? And that was a very easy question for them, because at the time there was a, there was a teacher in India who was really all the rage with uh, uh, yoga video classes. He had, a, he had a week, I don't know if it was weekly or daily, but it was a lot of programs. And uh, fortunately, he was on YouTube, so I could see what are Indians really interested in here. And he was basically making uh, unsubstantiated promises about what an individual yoga posture could do. When, when he said, this posture absolutely will cure diabetes. And I said, not going to do that. Uh, and it wouldn't have been Ananda Yoga anyway. But what I got from it was that Indians wanted something practical. I said, they didn't want people talking about God out in the ether all the time. They get plenty of that. They want something more grounded. So I thought, OK, Ananda Yoga is perfect for developing what I call spiritual life skills, skills like living from your center like building inner strength, like balancing emotions, like, of course, training, uh, finding true happiness and coming closer to God. So I thought, we'll do shows like that. And I soon got word that the, that the television channel would be OK with just 48 classes instead of 365. So that was a minor relief, because I had the use of Swami's video person for a month or so. All this needed to take place in a month or so. But at least I knew what I was going to try to do. Now the question was, where? And I couldn't think of any place in the, in the village here where I could have it nonstop every day, didn't have to take down stuff at the end of the day, could leave it up for a month or more. The only place really was Hansam Mandir, which really wasn't going to be ideal. It, for what I had in mind, it just wasn't going to work too well. But if that's all we could do, that's all we could do. And it turned out that there was a woman who had recently moved to the community. And I knew she was very artistic, very creative. So I asked her if she would help, because we needed to do, have a set, a video set. And that was way out of my wheelhouse. And fortunately, she was unemployed as yet. so. Uh, I asked her if she could help, and she volunteered. And we began to saying, how can we make a video backdrop? How are we going to shoot these classes? And it was less than ideal in that location, but that's what we had. 
Then one day, I happened to be talking with the village manager here, and he had heard about this project. And he just wanted to know about it. how are things going. And I relayed to him that a location was difficult. It wasn't working too well. And he said, what about the Living Wisdom Center? I knew full well the Living Wisdom Center was a construction site. It was not a finished building like it is now. It had no power. It had holes in the wall where windows would eventually be, but there were no windows. The visible from the inside was just wall studs. Uh, didn't seem to me like the best place, but uh, he said, don't worry. Um, we'll get power for you. And the IT department is getting new carpeting. You can use that carpeting before we install it in the IT department after you've swept up all the sawdust that is currently on the floor. And well, this, this woman and I went over, checked it out, and I thought, yeah, this can work. This would be, this would be great. Because she was not only a very artistic creative, she was somebody who could make things happen on the physical plane. So uh, we started to try and figure out how this shell of a building could really be an attractive indoor yoga class classroom. And one day she and the video guy were you know, talking about how we're going to do this, put batting on the wall and, and get theatrical screening for the windows so the outdoor light won't overpower our lights and all these other things. I was just in the background going, oh my god, oh my god, because I didn't know how to do any of this. And my prayer got answered because at one point she just turned to me and she said, you don't have to think about this, Gandave. Go home and think about the classes. I was like, wow, really? Is this going to use up all my good karma? <laughs> but but so, I, so I went away and, and thought about the classes while they worked on transforming this space. And then another volunteer, unasked for, showed up, another person who was really good at manifesting things on the spiritual plane. He volunteered to help flesh out this classroom space. Not only that, but he had been a film major in college, and he volunteered to be the second cameraman. And not only that, but he made a generous donation to help us get the lights that we needed to do this. I'm, I'm thinking, what, what is going on here? This is nothing I'm making happen at all. It's just happening. And soon after that, another community member, a building contractor, volunteered to create shading that would keep the direct sunlight from going through all those little holes in the building and spoiling the video picture. And it was just thing after thing after thing that was happening like this. And we had to think, I decided I needed a student in these classes. It couldn't be just me, mostly women students, so it wasn't just men. And who are we going to have for students? Well, we had just finished a yoga teacher training program. Two of the students were in the karma yoga program. At the Expanding Light, they could start out with this. And then I would contact other past graduates, some of whom are sitting in this room, to, uh, to come and, and be part of it at other times. And they very graciously agreed to participate. They didn't know they were getting into a half-finished building in the heat of September where there would be no air conditioning, and they had to look cool, 
right, because they were going to be on video, but they all very, very graciously went in. And then there was even more happening through the Karma Yoga program. We had a professional makeup artist in the Karma Yoga program and a video, a, a television producer in the Karma Yoga program. All these pieces were coming together. All this at the same time, my wife, Nayaswami Diksha, was creating her 97 cooking videos. She needed makeup also. All these pieces were, were coming together, and more and more, I was just, oh my god, how is, how is this happening? And now I think all of us, at one point or another, came to the realization that it was not us asking God to help with our great big project. It was God asking us to help with his puny little project. And you just had the feeling that I don't have to control this. I don't have to try. I can't control this. This is too big for me. My job is to just do my piece of it. Everybody else had other pieces to do. It wasn't anything I had to worry about too much other than simply doing absolute best. And that's what we did. We all did our absolute best. We shot 61 classes in just over a month. We had, we figured out after the first 11 classes that we couldn't use them because we didn't have the right video strategy, right camera strategy. So we threw them out. That was a different kind of, oh my God, moment for me. So we ended up with 48 classes and two full sadhanas from that. But still, even when we finished that, they needed to be edited. We didn't have a video editor. So they sat for a few years until we happened to find another Ananda Yoka teacher who was a video professional. And she agreed to edit all the videos at a fraction of her usual rate. But even that was too much for us until some generous soul found out about the project and donated the money to do all the editing. And then Crystal Clarity, the pub Ananda's publisher, began to uh, produce the DVDs from this series. But this was right about the time that DVDs were going out because it was all streaming. And Crystal Clarity was undergoing a huge change in, on their operations at that time. They, they couldn't uh, take on another area. So they just decided to post the videos all for free on YouTube. So the Ananda Yoga series lives. Oh my God. <laughs> it, was, it was such a, an inspiring thing to, to be part of. But one of, the, one of the most wonderful parts of it was realizing you don't just get out of the way and let God do it all because nothing's going to happen if you let God do it all. You have to be in there, but not with a thought that this is mine. But rather, this is God. As Swami often said about, about spiritual work most recently, I heard him uh, having said it a lot to the teachers of Ananda India, said, this is not your work, this is not my work, this is Babaji's work. 
And when we can keep that in mind and feel really good about being part of something so much bigger than us, it makes everything go a whole lot easier. A whole lot easier. But the challenge is, or one challenge is, that we don't always feel that connection with God so that we can hear what to do or how to harmonize what we're doing with God. It's not always, it's always there, but, but we're not always there. And that's a problem, potentially, because, okay, the ego's still going to do something in those cases, but doing it through ego is habit-forming. Because it's a lot less trouble than asking God and waiting for a response. I got this. I can do this. And next thing you know, you got this. You're doing this all the time. And God sort of, you can just see God sort of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, just sort of watching, wondering when the axe is going to fall, when we're going to go too far because we're going to just be so stuck in the small self that it's painful. And it's, this is why it's so important to keep in mind that quotation from the Gita in today's reading. said, everyone in this world whose life is glorious, prosperous, or powerful, know that that achievement is but a little spark of the great sun of my effulgence, God speaking. And this takes all the heat off. The heat only comes on when we think it's our job, when we think it's all about us. I know that when we're going through that Ananda Yoga sequence of generating all those classes, I was probably the last one to realize that this was God's project and not mine because I was the one who was feeling the most tension. You know, when we feel the most, when we feel tension, what's that from? That's not from God. That's from the small self that's feeling the tension. And it just was squeezing, squeezing, until finally the so-called coincidences had been, become so frequent and for, so astonishing that I, I couldn't, even think of having tension about it anymore because it was so much not mine. It was I had a job to do. Everybody had a job to do. So we had jobs, but we didn't have importance in the process. We just have jobs. And this is, this is the sort of thing that can, can make whatever we're doing. We don't all have the blessing of living in a in a spiritual community like this, where people will just appear out of nowhere, not even being asked, asking how they can help with this project. It's an incredible blessing to live in a community like this. I remember when the community manager told me uh, that you know, we could have the Living Wisdom Center. They would give us power. They would help get you help. I just started to tear up. And he looked at me and he said, you don't have to do this alone, Gandhi. You can't do this alone. And it was, it was like that broke, 
broke a huge amount of tension and people just started to, to come to help. And that's what can happen anywhere, anytime, when we just don't have the sense of we're doing this alone. It's all ours. It's not all ours. It's God's world. It's God who's doing it. And it's our blessing to be part of whatever we're part of, whether it's large or small. Just when we have the, I, the thought, more than the thought, the feeling that whatever we're doing is God flowing through us. Whatever we're doing is to help fulfill a larger plan, not just for us personally, but for the world. And we enjoy it so much more. We get so much more done. We get so much more good brought into this world. We become so much happier. And most of all, we come so much closer to God. Door of my heart, open wide I keep for thee. Door of my heart, open wide I keep for thee. Wilt thou come, wilt thou come, just for once come to me? See